0: This is an ABC podcast. Oh, it's been another long year. Norman, I need some fresh air to clear my head.
1: I've got an idea.
0: Let's go for a walk. Okay. Where? Well,
1: Will Ockenden, our producer, has said that he'll meet us.
0: You know what? There is a big red button on my recording desk that I've never noticed before, and it says direct transportation to Tasmanian mountains. I wonder what happens if I press it. Z- <laughs>
1: We're good, I think. We're just going to come into the shelter of the hut here.
0: Will, how long have you been here? Is this where you live, Will? Yes. In this little shack in the middle of a mountain. Yeah, dragged you up at the foot of Cradle Mountain. Figured we'd talk about bushwalking so much, it's worth uh, finally getting you to the state of Tasmania.
1: Even if it means me only having a knee transplant.
0: (laughs) You keep saying that you don't want to have a knee reconstruction, Norman, but maybe this has just been an elaborate sort of intervention to make you change your mind. Well, this
1: is certainly the most elaborate studio we've ever broadcast from. We're in a hut. Just below Cradle Mountain, what's it called? The Kitchen Hut. Kitchen Hut, yes. So, welcome to a high altitude coronacast.
0: What are we going to talk about? No, we'll push this button and uh, it'll magically take us back to the studio where we'll have some more sensible things to say. Tegan, push the button. Well, that was exhilarating. Norman, let's do a show all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor back on Jagera and Turable Land.
1: And from Gadigal Land, I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday, December 14th, 2022.
0: So Norman, we're only a week and a bit out from Christmas and this wave of COVID that we've been dealing with over the last month or so just hasn't dropped away as quickly as we thought slash hoped it would. Can we take a look at the numbers today and just sort of a look and see what kind of impact it's having? And the real question that I think a lot of people are asking are, are we going to be free of this wave by Christmas?
1: I think you can say with confidence, unfortunately, we're not. But the rate of increase is getting smaller, which means that you're going to see the curve turning. Now, remember, you can't really judge this on numbers of cases because... Case reporting relies on goodwill and also the inaccuracy of rat testing. However, if you look at hospitalizations, which is a more reliable indicator, there was a pretty sharp increase in Victoria last week. But you know, despite the headlines about ambulance ramping and the children's hospital in Melbourne and so on, New South Wales had more people in hospital on a rolling average last week than Victoria. New South Wales had about 1,500-odd cases in on a running average in, in hospital, whereas Victoria had 656. So there's funny things going on with the media headlines, which I think you've just got to discount. The reality is it's bending too slowly to be really down at low numbers by Christmas, unfortunately. It's a slow-moving curve. There's, there is good news buried in this. This wave is smaller in terms of its peak than previous Omicron waves this year. And I suppose we're lucky that we're within, still within the Omicron family. Now, the height of the peak is important in terms of hospitalizations and when things might start tailing off. But the speed at which they tail off is really important. So if it comes down to very low levels very quickly, that's really good. But if it slowly goes down, then you could actually end up with a large number of cases which accumulate over time. So we've just got to see what's happening there. The good news is that deaths... Or do not seem to be going up in parallel with the hospitalizations. They seem to be going down.
0: And we're better at treating COVID now than we were a year ago too. One of the things that has is a curve that has gone up in a good way, I suppose, is that antivirals are being prescribed at higher rates. I suppose that means that there's more people who need them, but at least this year we have them.
1: When you look at the official statistics on antiviral prescribing, they're a bit up on the previous Omicron wave. So they're not up hugely, but they are up. So it's likely that a few factors are operating here. One is antivirals are being distributed a bit more effectively. It probably is just a bit more effectively, but at least it's on the right side, it's going up. Second thing is we're still within the Omicron family. So despite the fact that these subvariants are immune evasive, We are benefiting from vaccination and although there's been a lot of debate about just how effective hybrid immunity is, we've probably got a fair bit of assistance from previous coronavirus infections, albeit at a price because a percentage of people will be going on to longer term symptoms, long COVID and an increase in deaths over a period of time from things like coronary heart disease. So this is not a normal respiratory virus. However, Let's take the good news here is that deaths are coming down, which is great.
0: So there's a lot of different metrics we could look at. What's the most useful one for people who are kind of playing at home? And what can people be doing in the lead up to having some time off over the holidays to protect themselves?
1: If you haven't had your booster, have it. Because during a surge, the booster will probably for a few days or maybe even a couple of weeks help to prevent infection in the first place. And then, of course, you do get this boost in protection against severe disease. So if you haven't had your third booster, your fourth booster, get that done. We've spoken about this many times before, including the Israeli data on fourth doses. You have to assume that it will be similar for third doses, is that you do get a short term but important protection against infection as well as the increased protection against severe disease. So get that done planning your Christmas events, try and make them as much as possible outside. And if you want to protect yourself, wear an N95 mask.
0: And so like watching over all this is National Cabinet trying to make policies that are going to help us as a population going forward. They met on Friday last week. So Norman, what's sort of the vibe coming out of National Cabinet?
1: Well, the vibe from the National Cabinet um, lacked specifics, but it was more about the strategic framework for moving forward. Then on Monday, the uh, government released the National COVID-19 Health Management Plan for 2023, and that put a lot of flesh on the bones of what's going to happen next. So just to run through a couple of the things that um, they're talking about. But overall, what they're trying to do is get to a point where to use the words of the chief medical officer earlier on in the year, that they move away from COVID exceptionalism and try and treat this as a virus like any other. But they have a five bob each way because they they do recognise that things are going to continue. Now, they talk about the waves of the virus continuing for the next two years. I'm not sure where that comes from because it's going to be very hard to predict when the waves of COVID stop. And in fact, the waves of COVID may not stop. It just may be an infection which comes in waves. In the future, the question is how dangerous those waves are. But they're emphasising vaccines and making sure we've got the latest vaccines and delivering them in a way that's most effective. Uh, Interestingly, Novavax is talking about a a trial of a combined vaccine with COVID-19 and flu, and that would make it easier for people to have. Uh, More consumer education, having the availability of GP respiratory clinics at time of surges and also time of other respiratory viruses to take pressure off hospitals, that PCR testing be only available to people who identified at high risk.
0: This one would really jumped out at me. Why would they stop doing that? Is there harm associated with it or is it not cost-effective?
1: They've come to the conclusion, you can debate this, but they've come to the conclusion, I assume, that the reason for doing PCR tests to confirm whether you're positive or not really only matters now, this is my interpretation of what they're doing. Because of antivirals, so in other words, you want to be sure that you've got it, so that you qualify for antivirals, which could be life-saving to people at risk. Therefore, the only reason you're going to do PCR is to identify people who can get antivirals. Then it's only people at risk who get a PCR. That's the logic, rather than what we've had for three years, which is or really until early. This year, which was that it was part of the epidemiological monitoring of the disease so that you could intervene and change the epidemic curve of COVID 19 so you're sure that you're dealing with it.
0: As well as monitoring changes in the virus's genome. Like you can then, if you can't do gene sequencing on something if you haven't done the test for it, that's how we kept across which variants were circulating.
1: Correct. So now we'll only get that from either the testing through PCR testing. Uh, for people eligible for antivirals or people who are in hospital and get that testing. So our testing for variants, our fidelity in terms of variants that are circulating is going to go down with this policy.
0: So what's the role of of rapid antigen tests then?
1: That's for everybody else. So anybody who thinks that they've got COVID-19 has a rapid antigen test and assess whether that's positive or not in terms of their behaviour moving forward. I mean, I mean, in reality, if you've got respiratory symptoms, you shouldn't be mixing in the community regardless of whether you think it's COVID-19. This is the way forward. It's more detailed than that. It's available on the web. I mean, interestingly, they talk about endemicity in this.
0: So this idea that it moves from being in the pandemic phase to being in the endemic phase. So it's just sort of one of these things that just floats around at a, at a relatively stable level for most of the time.
1: There are other viruses. You could argue flu is one of them where, where it's just not there necessarily all of the time. And it, flu comes in waves as well. So that's the first thing. The, the second thing is that they kind of assume in the document that the future variants could be milder, but there's no guarantee of that. And this is a potentially pandemic virus. And the reality is, like flu... It could go into an animal species, change, exchange genes and come out as a very different type of virus, which is quite dangerous and spreads rapidly through the community because we get no immunity to it. Most people in the area who look at this virus say that's probably what we'll settle into, which is good years and bad years. The question is, how, how, what's the frequency of the bad years? And we just don't know yet.
0: So this idea of COVID being exceptional or no longer being exceptional, is the feeling among the experts that you're talking to that that's premature?
1: Well, I think the people who understand this virus a lot say that it is an exceptional virus. Flu doesn't cause the long-term effects of COVID-19 in terms of long COVID, in terms of the complications we are seeing in multiple jurisdictions around the world that uh, you're getting an excess of heart attacks and strokes, which increase mortality. So we've got an excess mortality. We've got an excess mortality in Australia. We don't see that with necessarily other viruses. So this is a potentially disabling virus uh, to a much greater extent than other viruses. So this is an exceptional virus, and it has the potential to be unstable moving forward. Let's hope that it stays within the Omicron family and subsequent subvariants are fine for us and our growing level of immunity helps to protect us along with antivirals. But it could make a jump. And we just gotta be ready for it. And to be fair to this document, they do talk about that, but there's not a lot of detail really about how they would deal with a big jump to a more pandemic picture.
0: Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast this week, but we'll see you next week for the last episode of the year, but not the last episode ever. We'll see you then. See you then.